to the House of Minds, a podcast experience where we dive into individuals' journeys and mindsets with the intention and potential to bring you keys to unlock and expand your mind into new realities and possibilities, because we can all learn something from everyone. All you must bring is a desire to learn, an open mind, and the trust that the universe is always working for you. What will the House of Minds bring you today? We're live. Welcome to another episode of House of Minds. My name is Christina Lynn. I'm the host of the podcast. And today we'll be interviewing someone near and dear to my heart, my own personal life coach that I worked with for a little while, Kenny Weiss. Kenny Weiss is local here in Phoenix and is a leading personal development speaker and author of Your Journey to Success. As an emotional mastery coach and founder of the Greatness Movement, he works with successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, individuals, and families. And he really is an emotional mastery coach, really. That's definitely his specialty. I can attest to that. He's been featured for his work in Psychology Today, Phoenix Magazine, and Reader's Digest, among other popular publications. And through his powerful methods, transformational coaching, and life-changing workshops, Kenny's mission is simple to help as many people as possible become the greatest version of themselves. I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast today, Kenny, and thank you so much for agreeing to make an appearance. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. You know how I love to talk about this stuff. Yes. Yes, I do. I do. I'm thrilled. So let's go ahead and start off with, I'm just going to do a one to two minute mindfulness practice to bring us into full presence, kind of flush out the rest of our day so that we can just be here together in this space. So if anyone's who's listening, if you're also going to join along, just make sure if you're operating any machinery that you don't close your eyes, keep them open and aware. Otherwise we can close our eyes if we're able to, maybe your feet are down to the floor if that's available. Just start to tune in, bring yourself fully into your body and into the room. To do so, notice your body. Notice the weight of your hips on your chair or whatever you're sitting on. Notice the length of your spine. Draw your awareness up to your shoulders. Inviting your body to start to relax. Any tension that's settled in there to start to ease, melt away. And draw your awareness up through the back of your head and around to the crown of your head, to your forehead, down between your eyebrows and to the tip of your nose, where you can observe each inhale as you draw them in and each exhale as they leave your body. And start to deepen your breath and smooth your breath out so that your inhales begin to match the pace of your exhales. And just take a minute to notice, observe how when you draw your focus and awareness to your breath, everything else fades away. You start to bring yourself into full presence, into alignment 
so that you welcome the present moment and you can find more flow and ease in the present moment. Intentionally staying here in this space. Taking one more deep breath, filling up as much of your body with your breath. Pause as you arrive at the top of your breath, maybe sip in a little bit more air and expand and then let your breath go. Full deep rich exhale. If you close your eyes, slowly starting to open them and let's get started. Nap time. <laughs> no, not yet. Well, define nap time. But <laughs> <Connor> <laughs> nap time. <laughs> All right, Kenny, let's get started with just a brief outline of your story, how you came into step into your truth and okay. the truth that led to the writing of your book, The Journey to Success and the cycle that you outline in the book. Yeah, well, um, I guess the Reader's Digest version is I just, both my parents were very perceptive people and I got a double dose of, I got it from them. So then as a, I could just walk in and feel things going on with people. You know, we're not taught anything about emotions or any of that. I didn't know what was going on. It was just something that was there. And um, my parents were 16 and 18 when they were married, 21 and 23 with four kids. So you had kids raising kids. Now, my dad was beat to death as a kid. He never hit us, but he was pretty much filled with rage. And my mother um, was adopted and molested. And so she was an alcoholic. And so my life changed at 10 years old. I just woke up in the middle of the night just to use the bathroom and open up the door. And that's the first time I found out my mom was an alcoholic. She's passed out naked on the toilet. And I felt, I remember, I can still feel it starting in my feet going, coming up through me and screaming to myself, I'm dying, I'm dying. Like I knew the person I was that walked into that room was gone. And, you know, my life was going to be different. And, um, you know, as I said, my parents were young as a society. We're just kind of starting to talk about trauma and pain and childhood and stuff. We've never dealt with any of this stuff. So my parents never dealt with their stuff. They were no one's taught. We don't know any of this stuff. And so um, it was often they, swept under the rug. Yeah, that's that's the normal thing. And oh, childhood, you know, 80, as I say, 80% of people say, oh, my childhood was perfect. And I can blow that up in two questions. Um, all of our childhoods were filled with massive trauma, massive. And and that's that is an understatement. But we're so undereducated and unaware of what that looks like. So because most childhoods aren't like mine, they're, they're more simple events, but I'll stay out of that. I'll answer your question. Um, well, before, so before we go into what led to um, stepping into to your truth yeah. and kind of that path, what are the two questions? I know I've heard them before. What are the two questions that you'll typically ask? Sure. The, yeah, the two questions I ask people that, because again, most people will go to their grave saying no my childhood was perfect no trauma nothing and I always ask well okay was there any time as a child when you felt sad lonely angry or scared at anything your parents did or said in that moment could you have a discussion with them 
Well, what's most parents' response? Get in your room. I don't want to hear about it. Right? Right there is a massive, that's the loss of our authenticity, the loss of our inherent power. We're not allowed to have a discussion and share our thoughts and feelings and inquire about anything. So mm -hmm. we've all, every child has been through that. That is a horrific experience. And people downplay, oh, it's not that big a deal. Well, as my cycle, my book and everything shows, oh, that's not true. You're sick because of it. Your relationships suffer. You're underachieving at work, everything. So that's question number one. And the, the second question is, do you have any type of secret from your parents? Anything you've done, anything you've said, anything you believe? Well, everybody has a secret from their parent. And do you see what that means? We have two needs as a species. The first is attachment, or yes, yeah, attachment. We're the only species on the planet that if we don't physically and emotionally attach to another human being, we will die. The second need we have is the pursuit of our authenticity, who we're meant to be. Well, that first question, we see that just squashed it. Well, do you see the second question? If we have a secret, what that means is, if my parents knew who I really was, what my thoughts were, my feelings were, my actions were, my behaviors, beliefs, they would reject me. Mm -hmm. Think of that. That's horrifically traumatic to know that the two people that I should be able to rely on the most, I can't tell them who I authentically am. That is unspeakable trauma. And you can't walk away from that. And we all have countless secrets from our parents. So those are the two questions for the people that are doubters. And, and that usually hits them pretty hard and they'll go into pretty big denial and go, well, oh, it's still not a big deal. But that's the start is starting to get into reality of not knowing that, not confronting that, not having the process to work through that pain is the reason your life is struggling. Um, so, And what's and massive, it, <laughs> it sounds like it's massive denial and repression of your emotions. It is. And not feeling no, safe in your body, in your authenticity. Yeah, we have no other choice because look at, as a child, my life depends on you. Remember, we need attachment to survive. So I will latch on to, even if throwing plates at mom, that's gotta be okay. Hurling insults. Um, divorces, um, addictions, illnesses, mental illnesses, um, rolling your eyes at your kids, all these different things, we have to justify it. We have to minimize it, suppress it, repress it, and make sense of it because after all, our survival depends on it. And that's why 80% of people will say, oh no, my childhood was fine because to survive those, those two questions, and there's so much more, they had to justify it just to survive. Yeah. And so they're, in complete, they're completely unaware of how broken they are and how they've lived their whole life repeating that trauma against them, which I'll get to, but. Yes, and yeah, and also, yeah, I want to get to the denial portion as well, because that's yeah. a huge, huge portion that that's goes into moving forward. And yeah, I could sit here and dive into your brain for hours, but let's go on kind of into your path of um, leading into to your truth and then leading into writing sure. your own book for the with the, your cycle of how to break it. Well, because of all of that and not having the information, my life was a mess. I suffered through multiple addictions. I had 
two horrific divorces in my first marriage. I was both physically and verbally abused. There was a terrible child custody battle. I married two narcissistic sociopaths. I went through a bankruptcy. I played two professional sports I see now. I never wanted to play either of them. And when you learn my cycle, you realize nearly every single professional athlete doesn't want to play either. Um, and, um, and then from there, I finally, I spent three days holed up in my apartment contemplating suicide. And um, I was writing a note to my kids. And the easy part was to describing how much pain I'd lived through in my life. But in part of that letter, you know, I written my counselor in the midst of that. And that's in my book um, when I was describing the pain I was in. And, um, but when I came to justify the choice, like this is the right decision for all of us and this will benefit us. What saved my life was because of that ability to feel as a kid, I've always been fascinated by psychology. So for 30 years in my 20s, whether I was reading about it, going to events, seeing counselors, I'd been working my ass off trying to heal myself for decades, really. And so every sentence I wrote, I basically, I knew too much psychology. I was like, that's transference, that's manipulation, that's codependent, that's, I couldn't out shrink myself. I saw that no matter what decision, no matter what I wrote or however I tried to justify it, I was, there wasn't any way I could not do this without completely destroying my kids. And that was something I couldn't live with or die with. That became kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. The psychology was, saved you. Exactly. And my, my, you know, choosing emotional mastery before I even knew, you know, but that, that inherent inclination in me um, saved me. But but that's when I also realized, wait a minute, I've been chasing this for 30 years and this is common. People go to counseling and don't improve. People work with coaches and don't improve. There's all this information. I've been chasing all the gurus, all the big names we know in personal development, read all their stuff. And yet I'm here and I got pissed off and I went, there's something wrong. What is it? And so I went back in my office and I wrote down, I want to come up with a, <clears throat> pardon me, a revolutionary process that no therapist or personal development person has ever come up with that'll fundamentally change society and, and why this happens to all of us. And over the next couple of years, I switched my focus. See, I had an instinct. I had it, you know, just like as a child, I had this instinct. Intuition. We all know that that experience, we go to the experts and if they're not talking about it, we're like, well, I must be wrong. When I did the research, the, the, the science of how the brain and body works and trauma, addiction, all these relationship issues, all these things we all struggle with, I was like, oh my God, it's right there. Why isn't anyone talking about this? Now, I also have this kind of weird ability. I will read somebody's conclusion and I instantly see the next step. It's like, wait a minute, it, do you see what this implies? It's like, when I talk about stress, everyone calls it stress, it's actually fear. That if you read the definition of stress, they're describing the definition of fear, but we don't wanna call it what it is. And that was one of the things I discovered is parts and people aren't succeeding. It, everyone makes all the information very superficial and very fluffy so it doesn't confront you. 
And that's robbing people of the real answer. Just like that, we call it stress. You're not in stress, you're in fear. You're scared to death. Well, you'll never find a solution if you think you're stressed because we use stress because it allows me to play the victim. And I can say to you, well, if I tell you I'm stressed, it's a badge of courage and honor. It means I'm overworking you. If I say I'm afraid, it means I'm less than. Well, we don't want to admit that. Well, that's why people aren't finding the solution because there's nothing wrong with fear if you have, if you know what fear is and you know the process I teach. Yes. No, it's incredibly empowering. It gives you the door. But so that was one of the things. And then just the basic facts, most of the information is wrong. They think most of the stuff they're teaching is thought-based when, you know, is um, Antonio Damasio, Bruce Lipton, Candace Pert, you know, we've had the science for years that in almost every situation we feel before we ever think. So all the programs, all the counseling is thought-based stuff. Well, you're not going to get there because you have to, you're feeling before you think it. your thoughts are a byproduct of your feelings. And it all goes back to childhood. And that's the other thing is most programs don't want to touch childhood. Well, Harvard develop, Harvard Center for the Developing Child, the Adverse Childhood Experience, like everything, you are your childhood, nothing else. So if you're not dealing with the pain in your childhood, you're not dealing. You will never reach your potential. You can't because the answers are in your childhood. And so in, in the journey of all that, that's when I discovered what I call the worst day cycle. And before we get there, just touching a little bit on the, on the um, emotions, because basically I know you talk, you've talked about this a lot before and often on your podcast. And there are many that talk about how our emotions, Joe Dispenza, um, Candace Perkins, our emotions are stored down onto a cellular level. So and, and when we are infants, the first part of the brain that develops is the part that's emotional. Yes. So until we go back and deal and look at all that's stored in our body, you can't change anything because it's basically who you are. Joe Dispenza talks about becoming a new you and creating a uh -huh. new you, but you have to deal with the emotions that are there. And here's the sad thing about Joe. If you read his first book, he's on it. He's talking all about emotion, but his whole program now is thought-based. He's ignored, like he, everything, he, like he's talking about, oh, it's all emotion-based. And you're right, our subconscious, the way our subconscious, well, people call it the shadow, they call it the ego. There are all these cute names they call for it. They call it, you know, because we don't want to call it what it really is, but all your subconscious is, is the deeply emotional moments of your childhood that get imprinted. They become automatic patterns. Those aren't thoughts. Those are feelings. What creates the subconscious patterns are deep emotional experiences. And almost all of them are negative is, you know, the studies show from Harvard and others, 70% of our experiences from childhood are negative. 70. That's the normal childhood. Well, that's what your subconscious is running. And so you can't access that with thought. What you have to create is emotional experiences. You have to create a new emotional neural pathway basically a chemical addiction in your body with a different positive emotion. And Joe left, abandoned that. Now he's into, you know, really this, well, I've done the type of meditation that he talks about, but he's, he's just abandoned. And I don't know why, because the science is right there, but he left his own science that he's 
talks about and is everything in his book. So, um, and but so you yes. have to confront the feelings. You do. To then create new feelings. But most people, here's the other statistic. Studies show that 95% of the time as adults, 95% of the time, we are not present in our life. We are running the emotional trauma from our childhood. Yet you talk to any adult, they think they're making their decisions as an adult present in the moment. I just left a client. <clears throat> and he was, he's a mortgage guy and was talking to someone about getting these knives to give his gifts. Mm -hmm. And here he was, he thinks he's present. He's having a discussion, doesn't quite want to make a decision, goes back and talks to, you know, I'm going to talk to my wife about it. The person selling's getting, she's a woman getting a little upset. He's telling me how, you know, you know, he's judging her for all of that, goes back to his wife and talks to her and she goes, no. And what he didn't realize is see, he thinks he was an adult in all of that. Well, his whole childhood, he was never allowed to make a decision, only his mother. And so here he was surrounded by two women. He was reliving his childhood. His whole issue and struggle is he's always powerless in his life. He gives himself away. Yet he thinks he was an adult, a 35-year-old male in that situation. He wasn't. And that's 95% of our life. He just totally relived his childhood in making a decision about his business that has nothing to do with his wife. She does something completely, he gives up his whole life to his wife, just like he gave up his whole childhood to his mother. And yet people and people do this all day, every day. And they think they're adults. We're not, we're stuck in what's called the adapted wounded child state. Almost all of us live our lives. I don't care if you're 20, 30, 60, 80 years old, vacillating between about six and 12 years old 95% of our day. That's where we are. And that's a tough truth for people to hear. They don't like, and that's part of, that was an assumption I made. I don't know if this is true, but I, I think the reasons the other gurus don't talk about this stuff is nobody likes to hear that. And they, you don't make many friends when you say that to people, but that's what I realized. Somebody's got to say it. And if that means you don't like me, I can take that. I've done the emotional work. I know that's not about me. You're projecting your own pain onto me, but somebody's got to break that barrier down. And that became the passion for me is I want to call it what it is. And my marketing, I've hired three different marketers in my time. And they're like, you can't use words like that. So people don't like those words. I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's my platform. I'm going to be the first person that actually uses the actual words of what somebody's going through. Because until we can accept that truth, we'll never get to the answer. So the authentic truth, dropping complete denial. Because denial is the biggest it. killer on the planet. And besides myself and can't or um, Byron Katie, no one's talking about it. And Byron Katie doesn't even call it denial. She calls it the work, but she's the expert. She developed the perfect process to confront denial, but she doesn't even call it denial, which breaks my heart. Yeah, which is, yeah, when you're looking at yourself with Byron Katie's work, you are confronting your denial. Yeah, she did it a around. different process. Absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm completely envious of her. I love it. It's the best process. It, it, it was a big part of what helped me discover the cycle. So going back to the cycle, which was where I wanted <clears> to go back in. So you developed the cycle based off of 
everything that you confronted and saw. And let's talk a little bit more about this cycle. You kind of already outlined how it plays in our life, but let's talk about what it actually is. Okay. Let me first use an analogy so people get an idea of what and I of what the how the cycle plays out. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I always use is watching a 3D movie without the glasses. We've all done that. But because we've seen a movie, we kind of know what's going on, even though the colors are distorted, images, everything's distorted. We kind of know what's going on. Well, that's literally how every single person on this planet lives their life. Remember, we're not present. And so what people don't realize is every single choice we make, our friends, our hobbies, our careers, our relationships, everything, all we are ever doing is reliving the four stages of the cycle, trauma, fear, shame, and denial. So all we're reliving is our childhood, the worst day cycle in front of us. All of those decisions, we're replaying the unhealed pain from our childhood, screaming back at us to go heal it and ultimately forgive ourselves for it because now as an adult, we're choosing it. It happened to us as a child, but as adult, I can sit with anyone and show the worst thing in your life, rape, whatever it was, you set it up based on the cycle. You were taught, your childhood taught you to put you in a position for all of that. Even me with my abuse in my marriage, that's on me. I don't condone the poor behavior, but it's because of my childhood that I picked a person like that. And so ultimately everyone's reliving that pain against themselves, but they can't see it. Why? They don't have the glasses. Well, that's what I discovered is the glasses. And so when you become an expert in the worst day cycle, you'll see every so-called bad thing in your life, you chose it, you set it up, and it's all based on unhealed pain from your childhood. And those to get to the cycle and how it works, it starts with trauma. As as I've already proven, we've all been through various levels of trauma from severe to minor ones that they all accrue. They're all valid. They all devastate us and they all create the cycle. And from there, the overwhelming nature of that helplessness, the powerlessness sends us into fear that creates the fear response. And what can you um, define the three? Because there's three for fear, right? It's yes. hopelessness, powerlessness, and inadequacy. Close. Think, think rest in peace. The fear of rejection. Oh, rejection. Fear of inadequacy, which means we don't think we have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something. Mm-hmm. Or the fear of powerlessness. And so let's look at in that moment when I found my mother. What did I, this is the triggering of fear. I instantly felt rejected. Now I wasn't rejected, but my mother was rejecting herself. But because of the lack of emotional development, well, I'll get to that in a second. I reject myself because I'm powerless. I can't do anything about it. And so what's the best way to get power back? To blame myself. Because if I'm to blame, if I am the problem and I'm rejectable, then I might be able to change it. And so that's part of why we do it. It's We will victimize and blame ourselves to get our power back because then we might be able to change it. So in that moment, I feel rejected, which makes me inadequate. I don't have the skills, tools, or knowledge to stop her drinking, to get her to love me, and therefore I'm powerless. Well, the over, and when that happens, when we hit that traumatic moment and and experience that fear, it releases a massive chemical 
solution throughout our body that our brain and body becomes addicted to. And this is why it's a cycle. This is the subconscious programming. People call it the shadow, the ego, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same stuff. This is where it gets started. You lose your inherent self in those moments. You become something else and you adopt what I call a maladaptive false persona. Those are the clinical terms. And that drops you into stage three, shame. Now in shame, we feel worthless. Shame is much different than guilt. Most people will say they feel guilty and no one, and very few people feel guilty. Guilty is when I make a mistake and I own it, put a plan in place and address it. But I'm like, oh yeah, I, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't destroy me on the inside. Shame and shame is an internal process where I recognize my imperfection, but I own it, put a plan in place to deal with it. Almost nobody does that. Shame is an external process. Now I'm worried about what you think and feel. And so we instantly belittle ourselves. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. What are they going to think about me? And that's the destruction of self. And so that's what happens. Like I did, I blamed myself. There must be, my mom's rejecting me. I'm shaming me. Now, what happens in shame is our only way to survive this because of that power vacuum as adults, this is the 3D movie. This is how we get our power back. In that moment, I was 10 years old. I need attachment. There's nothing I can do. I've experienced these tremendously overwhelming feelings. So now I will pick hobbies, careers, and everything to recreate that exact same abandonment and pain because at least I chose it. And people all the time, well, what do you mean? I didn't want, I didn't want to marry a narcissist. I didn't want to pick a boss who is this. And I'm like, well, let's look at this. Look at our society. What happens in a riot? We're upset with the police, the government, and what do we do? We destroy our own neighborhoods. We victimize ourselves. What happens in the way we celebrate? Even when we do something good, win an event, get an award or a promotion, we get drunk, we get stoned, we overeat, we have sex, oversex ourselves, we victimize ourselves. All we ever do is victimize ourselves because here's the difference. At least deep down in my subconscious, I know I picked it. Remember I said back in the beginning, this gives me power over power. it. But yet our society rewards the victim. Look at the Me Too movement. Look at what's going on now, the social canceling. Everyone's got to say and do things. Everyone gets to be the victim. It's how we get power. And it allows me to never be responsible for my own choices, my own feelings, my own actions. I can always put the responsibility on you. And it's what keeps me stuck as a child because here's why we do it. We don't want to face that we're doing this to ourselves because what did we need as a child? Attachment. Well, if I go pursue my inherent self, if I get my inherent power back authentically without the manipulations, without all these ways I'm self-victimizing, what will I lose? Attachment, because I became the self-victimizing persona out of the need to get attachment. Well, that's the death of the ego, the death of the darkness, the death of the shadow, the false persona, whatever it is you want to call it. Well, what I'm asking you to do in that moment is admit two things. One, I don't know who I think I am. I, I'm, it's wrong. This is all fault. Like me, two pro sports. I never wanted to play pro sports. This was my gift. Those were just 
well, I'll stay out of the reasons, but we're all pursuing these things that are not authentic. It's still us trying to get attachment with our parents. So we have to admit, oh my God, I'm not really who I think I am. And two, if I confront this and deal with it, I'm going to lose connection to my parents. Now that's not true, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. And that kicks us into denial. And that's what kicks us into denial. And so from in denial, we judge, blame, criticize, look at what's going on politically, socially, everyone else is the problem. The thing is, is whatever you judge, hate, blame, criticize, you're, you can only see it in them because it's operating in you. So all these racism things, they're, they're the racist. Now, I'm not saying the other one isn't, but they're canceling them out. Well, that's racist. See, they're doing to the other what they are to themselves but we're in denial because then I'd have to face myself. You see, like you're boxed in wherever you go. And that's when I realized I had something is I went the second anyone tries to argue with this cycle, your argument proves it. I don't even have to defend it because of how the shame, especially how the shame and denial portion works. You're trying to push back it. All I have to do is give you your own words back and you prove your own cycle. Mm -hmm. And so because of that denial and the, and the lack of information and many other things, I, I wrote a whole book on it and chapters on denial. I don't want to take up all the time. And that kicks, we re-traumatize. Important. That's, that yeah. explains the, the cycle and it's a big part of it. We re-traumatize ourselves over and over and over. It just never ends. And, and the only solution is we have to gain emotional mastery and go back and reparent ourselves and deal with our childhood trauma. That's it. If you're not doing that, you are avoiding personal growth. You're doing superficial fluff that most people, like most people won't hire me or watch my stuff, though it takes about, for most people, one to three years before they go, oh my God, he's on something because of the shame and denial portion. Mm -hmm. They don't want to admit it, but they'll chase everything else and they'll all have the same experience I have. They'll go, damn it, he's right. This isn't gonna get me there. And you've talked a lot about how what as denial raises or denial, your self-esteem increases, denial decreases. I call it the scales of injustice. Yes. Yeah. Because of childhood and because we all lost our authenticity, we all had to give up who we are for attachment. We all, even Michael Jordan, I did a video on Michael Jordan. We all have massively so, so low self-esteem and he does. And I, I can tell you that story to prove it if you want, but we all have massively low self-esteem and high denial. Well, what's denial? Denial is a lack of truth, right? We can't see ourselves. We can't admit ourselves, who we are, any of that. Well, my process, the, the secret sauce is the shame and denial. No one's put those pieces together and how to conquer them in the way I have. And the key is when you can admit how manipulative you are, how evil you are, how destructive you are, how you set up all this in all your life, basically what I call our darkness, mm -hmm. all your perfect imperfections to use softer words that don't feel so threatening. When we can see that, oh my gosh, I'm just broken. And I'm only broken because I had no shot because we don't teach how to parent. Everyone's in the same boat. I did the best I could, but these are true about me. What do you gain? self-esteem because if i can accept the so-called worst parts of myself i can accept anything mm -hmm. and that's how you 
that's the secret to getting out of this is you have to become an expert in the pain and the darkness, the imperfections. And that's what most programs avoid or they glance at it and they haven't developed a full process on how to do it. And that's what I've done is when you have that, then you have the solution to everything. And what else goes into that? Because so there's self-esteem work, there's also being able to look at yourself in the mirror. So what would you say are the important components kind of to build, to be able to con confront the denial and the shame and step into your authentic greatness? Like what other? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a journey. Um, you know, there's a, I have a 12 week course <laughs> just to, and, um, and even then you need more work after it. Because it, it be, because the shame and denial portions actually being able to see and admit um, all of ourselves, and that's what the suicide brought me to, is I saw I it, it pushed me up against the wall to confront aspects of my denial I had been able to shield from myself, mm -hmm. and that's a long journey. The willingness to let go of all those dark parts of ourselves. And so the beginning, the beginning process for everybody is because 95% of the time we are not in reality, we are on autopilot, reliving our childhood, thinking we're an adult, we have to get present. And there's only one way to do that. You have to gain emotional mastery. And so that's why anytime I work with a client, anytime in my courses, it all starts with the feelings wheel. And you have to track your feelings for 30 days and start getting back in touch with your body and, and, and gain the awareness that, oh my God, my trauma is running my life. I had no idea. Like that's the first step. And that for some people, I have one client it has been three years and he's still resistant to it. He just, he'll do anything but deal with his feelings. Res he now, won't, oh Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back to it like you said our thoughts come from our feelings and our feelings are what are stored first so so to start to drop it makes to start to drop to the de denial we have to be aware of what we're feeling and yeah. why we're feeling that way yes and so the first the you know the basic process for that is you know i i suggest five times a day grab the feelings wheel that's in, you know, my coursework and stuff. Um, and you look at it, what am I feeling? Angry, sad, scared, perplexed, frustrated, um, happy, you know, whatever it is. Then the next question is where in my body do I feel it? And that can be, it can be many different places. And then here's the key. What's my first memory of having this feeling? Now, most people that are detached, they'll remember something one to five years ago. Write it down, then ask yourself, okay, what's the next memory? Write it down, what's the next? Keep going, eventually you're gonna land at childhood and you're gonna go, oh my God, this is the first day I learned about frustration. And you may not have a, many people because they're, if you don't remember your childhood, that's trauma. The reason we don't remember childhood is we dissociated in our childhood because there was so much trauma. And so you may not have a specific memory, but you may have a feeling sensation of around three to five years old. 
I felt this feeling. That's good enough. That lets you know where the original programming started and where you now that's now you have proof. Oh my God, he's right. I'm stuck in a cycle. I've been repeating it. And then if you really, and then you sit and look at that, all of a sudden you're going to fill in. It wasn't, you're going to fill in like the first memory is five years ago, then 10, then, you know, all of a sudden you're going to fill in. My God, it's happened all day, every day. I'm repeating that feeling. Holy, pardon me. Holy shit. He's right. I'm not present. I'm just repeating this cycle literally all day long. And that, that scares people that because now remember what we don't want to admit. I don't know who I really am. That just proves it. Wow. I thought I was present. I thought I knew who I was, but he just showed me I've been on autopilot, not even present in my life. Oh my God. I've got to look at who I really am. Wow. And that leads into the fear of success. Yes. Exactly. Totally. But before we get there, so emotional mastery, and then um, I know you're a big advocate as well, of course, of feeling the feelings. And when you start to feel those feelings, there can be a lot that are overwhelming. How, how, what would you recommend for reconciling those feelings and allowing yourself to feel those feelings. And okay, it, so are you talking the trauma recovery process of those feelings? Is that what you mean? Yes, when you realize where it's from or, cause there's still a balance between completely going into the, those feelings and still being present in our life and doing life. Okay, all right, so I, I think Does I hear two sense? questions. Okay. The one thing I had to real, recognize was um and and i have to and clients have to find this out too we want to go into the feelings but there will be a point where we tip over and we fall into what's called learned helplessness which is what we experienced as childhood where we collapsed and we gave in this is where we lost our inherent self because we had to Mm -hmm. well we don't we don't want to go there and so I learned for me, like to grieve the pain and stuff, I could do about 30 minutes and then I'd tip over. And then the suicidal stuff, the, I just want to lay on the couch. Like I'm going to quit. I had no motivation, procrastination, all of that. I would, I'd lose myself into that. So I learned the most I can do is 30 minutes. And then I immediately get into self-care. I paint, I lay by the pool. I go for a walk. I go do something that's on my self-care list to take me out of it. But I scheduled it every day. I would come home, you know, and I'd go in and I'd, okay, let's dig it. And I'd go through my process, you know, of all the different things I did um, to to grieve it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, and and that you're going to have to learn for some people might be an hour, everyone's different, but that's the first thing. And usually I have to work with clients on that because they'll come in, oh my God, I'm this. And I have to teach them I'm like, so tell me what happened because again, they're not aware. And, and, and so I'm guiding them like, okay, boom. Did you hear that? That's where you lost it. So now, you know, once that thought, that feeling, which created that thought comes up, that is your marker to know, okay, I'm done. Let's get into self-care. Yeah. So knowing how to coach yourself, which you're a big advocate of. Well, that's, that's the other thing I noticed is all the other processes make you reliant on the guru. You always have to go back to them for the answer. Well, my university program, everything I do, even my coaching, 
I'm teaching you how to be me for yourself. My whole process, because that was the thing for that 30 years as I was digging into myself, I kept journaling. I kept, and then I woke up, I'm like, oh my God, remember 3D movie? I was teaching myself how to find myself and, and what the problem. So now I've just gone, okay, here's what it is. This is how you do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guide people in that process until they can do it for themselves. And then just like me, I remember going to send my uh, therapist an email and I started to type it out and I went, wait a minute, he doesn't know the answer. I do. And that was a central moment. I was like, one thing he never taught me was that. What do I do in that moment? And I was like, oh my God, I've got to make sure that my clients, my students know what to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the programs developed that way so that they know they're pursuing it for themselves. We all have our own internal keys. Yeah. We have to do the internal work. So I hear emotional mastery and self-care as well yeah. is another important part of the equation yeah. to be able to dive into the process and deal with the denial. And because you say this often, we're not really taught what we want and need as children. So part of the self-care process in learning (laughs) how to take care of ourselves is learning, well, how do I take care of myself? What do I want and need? Well, and okay, there's two things I want to touch on. Self-care, what most people think is self-care is they make it reliant on other people. That's codependence. Your self-care list has to be something you can do on your own that doesn't depend on other people. Now, it may include other people. You know, we all need connection. That's fine. But most people will try and, you know, make their self-care about someone else meeting their need. That's not it. It's I'm able to meet this need on my own. Now, the denial piece I want to help you with because you this will be a, a concrete way for people to find their denial. Denial is always either in, either direct or indirect. So people, this is an audio only, but I'm wearing a green shirt. So an example of direct denial would be, oh my God, I can't stand guys who wear Kelly green button down collared shirts. Well, obviously that's me. I'm wearing a Kelly green button down collared shirt. So direct, we can see that. That's us. All right. You know, I'm judging, blaming, criticizing, hating somebody who's doing exactly what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So that's the key. If you want to find your denial, pay attention whenever, ever, ever you judge, blame, criticize, hate anyone or anything. So like with all this social strife in the world, it's sad to me if people had emotional mastery and knew this stuff, they, they would know. They're all screaming back at themselves and their own denial and their own pain that they haven't faced in themselves. And they're projecting it onto others. I'm not saying there aren't racist and bad people in the world, but the only reason they can see it in them is because it's operating in in themselves, but they can't see it. Now it might be operating directly, just like I said, like the cancel culture, you know, they're saying, you know, black lives matter. Well, they're trying to cancel out whites. That's racism. So their whole movement, they're talking about themselves, all right? I'm all for, you know, equality and everything, but there's an example of people, you know, being racist against themselves and projecting it onto others. That's direct denial. Indirect was the toughest part for me to find. And I discovered this um, while I was driving. And 
for years, I always judge, blame, criticize the way people drive, going too slow in the left lane, not getting, not getting up to speed as they get on the highway. Or what drove me the craziest was the left-hand turn. You're sitting at a light and there's a car coming the other direction and people would always wait until that car turned and then they'd make their left-hand turn when you're both supposed to turn at the same time and you're both supposed to just stay in your lane. That, that usually, drives my dad crazy too. <laughs> yeah, but usually the person coming the other way, they're making a right-hand turn and they'll cross three lanes. They won't stay in the first. And so I used to scream, you guys are so stupid. That was my judgment. You're yeah. so stupid. One day I was stuck behind a truck screaming that. And finally I paused. I went, wait a minute. What's going on? I'm in denial because I'm judging and blaming and hating. Mm -hmm. But what is it? Well, remember, everything is emotion-based, not thought-based. And so I said, what's the emotional content of my judgment? Stupid. I hate stupid people. And I resonated on stupid. Well, look at my life. Multiple addictions. I picked a spouse who was physically and verbally abusive. I picked two narcissistic sociopaths, bankrupt, played two pro sports I never wanted to play and contemplated suicide. I am the dumbest person I know. I am the stupid one. See, I'd never forgiven myself for all my stupid choices. And so I'm projecting how stupid they are, but I'm screaming 3D movie. We're always talking to ourselves, screaming back at me, Kenny, when are you going to forgive yourself that you made the best decisions, but nobody discovered the worst day cycle. Nobody taught you about any of this. You couldn't have made any better decisions because you didn't have, no one's taught this in the world. We're all lacking these skills and tools and information. How could you have made any other decisions than these? It was the best you could do at the time until I could forgive myself for that broken piece of myself. I, would see everyone else as stupid. Well, now when I sit behind those people, I just laugh. I just sit, I can listen to them for 30, 30 days. I just don't care because I've forgiven myself. And that's what's happening in the social climate is people don't know they're talking to themselves. They don't know they need to heal their own pain and ultimately forgive themselves. And when that happens, all this social unrest ends. And then the projections stop. Exactly. Because they realize the second I'm pointing the finger at you, I've got to pause and go, wait a minute, where am I doing that in my own life? Oh, wow. Where do I need to accept yeah. myself in my own life? Yeah. Instead of playing the victim and saying, you guys are doing this to me, we pause and go, wait a minute, I'm doing it to myself. Oh, oh I got to go heal me. And once I heal me, I don't even notice you. And, and when I notice you being perfect, I go, oh, I get it. <laughs> I've been there too. So that that's the reconciliation for both sides. Yes. How it takes a large amount of empathy to be able to see yourself and others in that light. Do you feel like there's any specific tools to work that empathy portion or any processes within your process to help build that empathy? Yeah. Conquering the shame piece is how you regather the, the true empathy for yourself. Um, also the, the shame and denial, a natural outgrowth. When I can look, I mean, 
Look at some of the things I've admitted about myself. Well, if I can accept that about me, I must, I must have a lot of empathy for myself and therefore I can extend empathy to you. And so the only way to gain empathy is to gain empathy for yourself. Well, the only way you can do that is you have to be able to admit your imperfections to yourself and absorb that truth and love yourself in that. Again, it's those phrases that I use. I did the best I could mm -hmm. with what I knew at the time. If I knew any better, I would have done better, but I didn't and it's okay. Like I can't, it's like asking somebody to go build a space shuttle and you're gonna blame them well, did you ever become an aeronautical engineer? No, you didn't. So why would you blame? Same thing. Why would you blame yourself? Like, why would I blame myself for those divorces and addictions and everything when I'd never been taught any of this? It was the best I could do. Now I will take accountability and responsibility that I've done a lot of damage to other people because I wasn't taught that. But that doesn't mean I have to shame and belittle myself. I can own it and go, yep. I've, I've done some terrible things to people. You're exactly right. And please tell me about it because I want to hear about your pain. Well, I can absorb that because I now have empathy and love for myself because I've accepted. Yeah, I was good. That's the word that I was, that I was thinking is once you can accept it, that builds the forgiveness and the empathy for yourself. And then what we, what we can hold for ourselves, the space we can hold for ourselves, we can then extend and hold for others. You can't love, you can't forgive, you can't empathize with anyone else until you learn how to do that within yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Everyone tries to love and empathize and forgive everyone else, but they don't do it for themselves. Well, it's hollow. It's a manipulation, it's not real. And we all see through it, we all notice it and, and we all feel slimed by it. There's, there's only one way to do this. You have to become an expert in your pain. You have to become an expert in yourself. And that's not selfish, that's loving to everyone involved. Because do you see from this perspective, when I can heal myself, then I can stop hurting you. What's incredibly selfish is when I ignore that, and I then dump all my pain on you. That's one of the most selfish acts on the, on the world is to not heal myself. That's when I'm inflicting all my pain on you. And so people that, oh my God, that's so selfish. No, you're selfish if you're not dealing with this. If you're putting it away, you're making it. Now, after listening to me, if you've hung out through this whole podcast and you decide not to become an expert in this, then you've made a conscious choice to selfishly hurt other people. And you have to live with that consequence. Now, anything before here, before understanding how this works, you were just doing the best you could. I don't blame you. But from this day forward, I'm not gonna blame you or say you should blame yourself, but you should hold yourself accountable that you are now for the first time in your life, consciously choosing it. You never consciously chose it previously. You were just doing the best you could. But from today forward, you're making a choice because now you have the information. You never had it before. And that's something you have to reconcile within yourself. Yeah. It's the, and it, the emotions is the key part for sure. Yeah. That's the answers. Now tell me more about <clears throat> the um, tools or books that you recommend to yeah. enhance and grow your knowledge on how to help 
yourself heal? Yeah. Um, my book is not the only answer. And I think I'm, I've never seen this done in a book, but I, I lay out as part of the process. You have to read several of the other books if you want to get there. Mm-hmm. My book is not the end all be all. It talks about things no one else ever has. And when you gain that other information, yeah. you know, you, but they're all part of the process. And so it almost pieces, it, it brings puzzle pieces together as yeah. well. Because let's face it, there are people that have come to conclusions on other aspects of life that are much better than mine. They just are. They're, you know, they're gifted at it. Mm-hmm. And um, like for me, these are my recommendations. To me, the best book to build self-esteem is Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Yourself. The only thing I say is whenever she uses the word think or thought, switch it to feel or feeling. Back then, they didn't know, you know, that feelings drove everything. So she thought it was all thought-based. But everything else, I mean, she, you, you just read that book and you just feel love. You feel self-esteem coming off those pages. That's, that's part, like there's an energy from that book. So to me, that's the best book if you want to learn how to um, develop self-esteem. Um, two other books are mandatory. I believe nobody should, actually three books. Nobody should ever be allowed to ever go on a date until they read these three books. They are that important. I'm not overstating it, but we've never taught anything about relationships. We are all vastly, vastly undereducated. Look, the divorce rate's over 50%. I don't know any class you ever, you know, were able to move on to the next grade with a 50% below 50% grade. Yet none of everyone thinks they know how to handle relationships. Well, obviously we don't. These three books, um, especially, and we, if our parents didn't have the information, people around us didn't, yeah, yeah. yeah we wouldn't know. So these three books by Pia Melody, um, and it's P I A M E L L O D Y facing codependence, facing love addiction and the intimacy factor. Those are required reading in relationships and you should live your life by those outlines your relationship life or you have no shot at a truly loving relationship. Um, Let's see, the next I would suggest is the emotionally abusive relationship. Now this sounds like it's about relationship, but she does an amazing, it's by, uh, is it Beverly? Yeah, Beverly Engel. She does an amazing job of breaking down parenting. And so it'll help you get into reality of how perfectly imperfect and frankly for most people, abusive your childhood was Mm -hmm. and that will help you break the denial and see how you're reliving that childhood pain throughout your life um she also wrote the verbally abusive relationship i believe that one i haven't read yeah Uh, but that's a good piece too yeah um if I would, I would start with those. I mean, the rest are, if you're a junkie like me and you want to get into the science of things, I will say this, this is a great book, complex PTSD from surviving to thriving. All of us, you know, how I said 95% of the time we're not present. That's because we're suffering with complex PTSD. Everybody on the planet has PTSD. That's the dissociation. That's why we're not present, but people think it's just war veterans read that book, you'll be, get, you'll realize, oh my God, yeah, these stressors, these things I'm feeling, it's actually complex PTSD. And he does a, I wish I could write like him, his description of shame. I'm like, oh, 
you're a jerk. It's so much better than mine. <laughs> so envious. And he talks a lot about codependence and how all of this stuff ties in. So okay. it's a very, that's, I, I'd recommend that one. That's a very good book as well. I'd start with those. What is that? Five books. Yes. Yeah. And um, what about the Gabor Mate books? Cause I know oh. those were very eye-opening as well. Yeah. Gabor and I were like kindred souls. Um, he, he and I talk about the same things. He just has never developed a solution to it, but he, you know, has all the, you know, the science behind it. And if you're struggling with addiction, um, pick up his book in the realm of hungry ghosts. It's brilliant. Um, when it comes even childhood stuff, that's a great book. Um, if you have health issues, look, science is overwhelming. There are only three diseases that if you have them, it's that if you're born with those genes, you will have them. Every other illness and disease is the cause of your environment and not just what you eat and drink. It's primarily your childhood. And the science of that is overwhelming. The um, Harvard Center of De the Developing Child has proven that. Um, Bruce Lipton proved that 20 years ago. The problem is this. Medicine is run by drug companies. Every medical school in the U.S. is funded by drug companies. They have a vested interest in us never learning that emotions are the cause of all illness. That Look, every illness and disease, every single one, there's only one common symptom. One. Doesn't matter what the illness and disease is. There's one common symptom. You know what it is? Unhealed childhood trauma. Every single one. That's the birthplace of all illness and disease. Only three medical schools in the country teach anything about emotions or trauma. Our doctors learn nothing about the true source of illness and disease. All this COVID stuff, it's all trauma-based. It's all been overblown and they've triggered people's trauma, all of it. And the, the science is overwhelming. So pick up this book, When the Body Says No, Exploring the Stress, disease connection and stress, as I said before, what, he, what I would have liked him to say is exploring the fear disease connection because stress is fear. Yes. So you'll see in there that, look, you can look at somebody's, you know, they, he talks about Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Clinicians with a 95% success rate, just by doing an intake and asking them their views of the world and how they, you know, what, what they do, they can diagnose ALS. Every single one of them can't say no. They never take care of themselves. They sacrifice themselves for everyone else. Lou Gehrig himself, the baseball player that it's named after, you know, was the one who had the 2000 game streak. Mm -hmm. He would demand that players on his team would take the day off if they felt sick, had a bruise, yet he played with 18 broken bones. He would never, every day he'd go home and take care of his mother. He never lived his own life. And that's why the muscles give out. They completely give themselves away. It's an emotional condition. He was made to take care of his mother his whole life. He never had a life in his body. Frame. And never take care of himself. Exactly. So if you're not educating yourself on this, that's why your health is struggling. I've worked with cancer patients and turned things around immediately. Shingle, like, you know, anxiety, depression. The second we start dealing with the emotions, everything changes. And you've said oftentimes, and it is a common concept now that your emotions keep you from being present. 
and going, yeah. you're going back into those stories, those ruminations, <laughs> the thoughts, but it's still down to the emotion that's running through your body. And that emotion is depending on your age. If you're 36 years old, it's 30 years old. And so your ruminating thoughts of sadness, pain, anger, whatever it is that are 30 years old. And yet you're sitting at the work at work thinking you're making a business decision. You're not, you're a six-year-old using the pain from the past, just like the example I used to my client. He didn't pick out knives because he was still trying to please his mother. He's 35 years old. And he talked to two women, the salesperson and his wife, gave him, gave himself away. He was a child in both instances and completely unaware that he wasn't an adult. And that's all of us because we don't make this stuff a priority. And that's, that's why I want to, that's why I do it is I'd love to see us, you know, and that, that started in the 1600s. There was a fight between Rene Descartes and the church. He started to try and get into all this and the church said, no, no, you can't talk about emotions. That's our purview because let's face it, you know, I'm not saying religion is bad. Don't take it that way, but religion is all about emotion. And so they wouldn't allow him to investigate it. And that it didn't really pick up until the first psychology book was written in the late 1870s. And it really wasn't until Freud in the early 1900s. So we're a hundred years into actually, and really 50 years. It wasn't until the advent of TV talk shows, Oprah, and all of that before we actually started talking about emotions in the millions of years of human existence we just started that shows you how underdeveloped we are yeah yes how much there is to still explore and dive into yeah. now tell us more about your programs kenny what you have going on i also remember you were possibly writing a second book i have yeah i have actually three books that are ready to go um I'm redoing my book. I never liked your journey to success. I couldn't put the pieces together of what I really wanted to call it. I hadn't formulated it, but actually um, a former client of mine, I was on a podcast talking about it and he responded and really what it needs to, I'm going to redo because there I've learned better ways to explain the process than the first time. Mm -hmm. Plus more science has come out to validate everything I talk about. So I've always wanted, there were always aspects of it. I didn't like certain ways. One of my frustrations more, is- The more the you personal, see too, the more you see, the well, better you can explain it. The biggest frustration I is personal development books use phrases. Mm -hmm. Just believe in yourself, but they never give you the process. And, and, you know, it's rampant. They use all these catchphrases to, but they never explain it. And people just repeat them like slogans, but there's a process to it. Well, I was like, my book won't have that. Well, I didn't know the editing process. And so when it came, I thought, you know, copy edit is actually the final edit. I didn't know that. I saw a couple places. So there've been things like that. I've always wanted to clean up, but I'll redo it and call it it'll say your journey to success, but the word success crossed out your journey to yourself, how to accept the answers okay. you discover along the way, because that's okay. really what I've discovered is this is how you reclaim yourself. And from here, success, all of that is possible. So and success is very individual. So if you get to yourself, you get to your own path of success. Well, and as, as I wrote about in the book, but hadn't completely fleshed out 
I don't like success. Success is an external process. Mm -hmm. Everyone chases success. It's the corner office. It's the Bugatti. It's the trophy husband or wife. It's a certain amount of money. It's always contingent on something outside of us. And until we reach that, we have no value. And then most people that reach it end up going, oh, I'm miserable. Success is not a worthwhile pursuit. What I prefer is, you know, that's why I call it greatness. Mm-hmm. When you pursue greatness, that's an in- inherent internal process. And so wherever I am on the success journey, because I want people to have things, I'm not against that. But the point is this, when you have emotional mastery and you have that internal greatness, wherever you are on the success journey, you're okay. Whether you've arrived, whether you're early, whether you're in the middle, you're just okay. And that's that to me is what success should be defined as. Mm-hmm. So internally. Uh, so that book, your your journey to yourself. Um, I've also written a book on denial, which actually I've the classic definition of denial by um, Freud and then his uh, daughter um, is that denial is a defense mechanism. I've shown that it's actually uh, an attack mechanism against us. It's the single greatest killer in this in society today. It's the reason for all of our problems. Um, and nobody's talking about it. And until we become experts in denial, I mean, the secret sauce to what I've developed are in the shame and denial portions of the cycle. And, you know, the, the book on denial really goes deep into how, how prevalent denial is and how to, how to turn it around. So that's the other book. And the solution. Love it. (laughs) Exactly. And then, uh, you know, I have a chapter on the power of saying no, but I have a book on it because that's so prevalent. We, you know, there's so much codependence. We think it's rude and mean and bad if we say no to people. And the answer is completely in the opposite. It's the most loving thing you can say. And so it just dives deeper into that. So it's just been a question of which project, but first, you know, money and, you know, because those things cost money to develop and all that. So, um, and so when are they rolling out? I know it's, I, but my focus has been getting the university up, getting the information out to people, um, the whole university program. And so right now that's my biggest focus and developing more programs for that. Um, you know, things that go in deeper to trauma and, you know, here's, here's how to reparent yourself. Here's how to do the trauma work. I mean, the, the, the course does that, but specific, like every single, like, like I said, I hate the superficial believe in yourself. I like resources. I like solutions. I want people to be able to pull something up and go, these are all the solutions. Which one works for me? Mm-hmm. Ooh, and exactly how do I do it? That's, that's the biggest thing I'm after is not just telling people why or what's happening, but show them how to change it. And that's really has been my expertise is mm-hmm. the how that I've developed because I haven't seen a process that gives you the how any better than I do. And if you look at my reviews, that's what people say. Mm-hmm. And that it's a process that you can continue to use over and over again and develop it and make it your own. Yes. Well. But, and, but you get to use it as an individual. Once you learn it, you take it with you. You don't have to keep coming back to me. Yes. You don't have to keep hiring me as a coach. Every once in a while, it's a tune up of, Hey, there's this little subtle 
what is this little thing? And I'm like, well, you know, and then even in the coaching, I walk you through the process for you to find it and go, ah, oh, because even if that's what my coaching does, I'm not just telling you the way I coach you is by asking questions and walking you through so that you learn <clears throat> the questions I'm asking you are to show you what questions to ask yourself so that you can arrive at the answer. <clears throat> yes. And do it on your own. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, now you know what the answer is, but did you see how I walked you into the answer? So write all that down. You just, now you have the process for the next time you're in this place. Yeah. And so tell us more about the programs. I know you have sure. your Facebook yeah. group and then yeah. um, other, you have your 12 week program. The university program, um, that's walks you through how to recover from the cycle. Um, that's in my book. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's, to me, it's a mandatory program if you want to live life. Kind of like I mentioned those three books. If you want to live to your full potential and, and have a great relationship and have, you know, your career potential reach, you know, what you're meant to financially, spiritually, emotionally, sexually, financially, every aspect of your life, the greatness movement program, you have to take that. Because if you don't have that information, you won't have the skills and tools to reach your full potential. And the way the process works is it's a full one-year membership into a private Facebook group where you have access to me 24 seven. You can just like you posting questions. You do you, something happens in your life. You post a question. Well, I'm lying. It's not 24 seven. I do sleep or I am doing interviews, but as you know, the second I get off, <clears throat> I check the group. Has You're very accessible. Off? Yeah. Exactly. But that's not all. I also go live twice a week in the group to coach you. Mm -hmm. And so you get, it's not just, you know, a lot of online trainings. It's you're just dumped and left on your own. Well, not me. I mean, look, what did we not get in childhood? Support. support. So my whole program is based on support. You have access to me all day, every day, twice, twice a week, live coaching. So what is that? If you showed up every week, that's over a hundred coaching sessions yeah. in a year. Plus you really do learn because in the group atmosphere, you really do learn from others. So it enhances your knowledge and it enhances the speed at which you can start to move through your own shit and, and work your own process. And here's everyone's biggest fear is, oh God, I joined a group. I don't want to talk about my stuff. What was your experience about the group? when you were in it and did you notice anybody holding back? No, it was amazing. I mean, the first week or so people might be getting to know each other, but honestly, I never felt any awkwardness in sharing information. Did you feel supported or, Absolutely. or did you judge? Yeah. Absolutely. You, all the members are supportive. All the members really are there with a heart to hear and help. And if they're not, they just don't say anything. And everyone's allowed to have their own personal space right within the group. But I always felt included, welcomed and encouraged to to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're, as I lean on you, that's the other aspect is, as you get further along the journey, then I, you know, new members that come new students that come in, I put them in touch with someone like you, because I want you to be a mentor. Cause that's a big, when you can start teaching this process, you live it a hell of a lot better. And so that's part of it too, is, 
as you grow in it, when I get new students, I hook them up and go, look, you guys would be a great fit. She'd be a great mentor for you mm -hmm. and great support system because she's been through similar stuff. And so you get that community and connection. You don't feel alone. You know, it's it's been- it, the, And well, the, that's literally having people, <laughs> I had another um, person on the podcast a few weeks ago where she went through AA for recovery but they talk about having the person in front of you, right? Which would be you, then there's you, and then you have the people behind you. Yeah. So it's that same process. And it, it, it makes me think of, you know, back in the day, it took a village. <laughs> it takes a village to all help and support. You don't have to be on your own to go through all this and dive into all this. And crap, like we were lonely as children. We don't wanna be lonely again. So you've, you've done a great job in building the community and continuing to thrive in that group aspect where we are supported above, below, and in the middle. Yeah. And right now I'm offering a scholarship program on that. You know, some people just don't have money. And so if you go to thegreatnessmovement.com, scroll down to the bottom, you'll see the application for the scholarship. Um, you know, it, 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 it does require that you give feedback and things like that, but all the details are there. So if you're the type who's like, man, I'm hungry for this. I want to change my life. I'm done with superficial programs. I want to do the real work, get to the real answer and turn my life around. But damn it, money with COVID, it's tough right now. Well, if, if you're willing to, you know, give feedback, fill that out. And yeah, I'm happy to give back because things are tough right now. Love but, it. Um, it's, uh, for those that have chosen to do the work, I have yet to see one person not achieve everything they wanted and find themselves and gain the life that they wanted, whether they were, you know, and, and you, you know, some of the members, horrific situations, you know, Autumn with her anxiety. And was she, I talked to her the other day, she's at 11 months without an anxiety attack. And the longest she'd ever gone for 40 some years was three days. And that's 11, she's over 11 months without an anxiety attack. You know, so the, the results, the results speak for themselves. Yeah. And it happens quickly. It, it, it's not, it, it doesn't take long. It happens quickly. So. Yeah. Um, and then you also do one-on-one -on -one sessions. Yes. Yes. I work with people individually all across the world. I have clients um, in London and Australia, everywhere. Um, and even students in the greatness university, same thing. And I also have an office here in Arizona um, for those that want to meet personally. Um, if you're not, or because of COVID, you would rather do remote, you know, I do Zoom. So yeah, um, whichever works best for you, you know, I can accommodate you. And where can they find you? Um, well, the best thing is just Google Kenny Weiss and everything comes up, <clears throat> but I'll give you specifically um, kennyweiss.net on Facebook. That'll take you to my business page. LinkedIn, just search Kenny Weiss, uh, Facebook or um, Instagram, Kenny Weiss coach. Um, let's see my website. I, I basically have two websites. If you want to learn more about me and book a session, go to Kenny. Um, yeah. Kennyweiss.net. Um, that'll take you right to my website. If you want to learn about the university program and I have also free downloads, um, you know, I just did a video on, how to fight with your partner in relationships and included a free download. I saw um, that on Facebook. Got, yeah, go to 
www.thegreatnessmovement.com. So those are the two websites. If you want to book an appointment and a newsletter and things like that, go to um, kennyweiss.net. If you want to learn more about the Greatness um, Movement University and the scholarship and prices and all of that, go to thegreatnessmovement.com. Okay, and your pod, you also have your podcast. Oh, as well. yeah. Yeah, I forgot Is about it that. Heal the Hurt? <laughs> Did you change the name yeah. to Heal the Hurt? I, I've i changed the name of that show like 27,000 times. And uh, I'd li- I would still like to change the name. Journey. I just have. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it, at some point, you know, I've changed the names of things a lot. And at some point you just go, just is what it is. It, so, it's great to be adaptable. And yes. when it resonates and you, it's, it's okay to decide, oh, this fits better. I'm going to do this today. Yeah, it does. I just get, you know, the, the frustration becomes, it gets confusing for the audience when it's and they're like, where do I find you? And you thought this, and what are you that? And, you know, now, of course, you, it's like my book title. I would have liked to have come up with that title originally. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice, at, you know, but sometimes you just don't have those ideas. And so you change them, but you know, you're just doing the best you can with where you are at that time. See, there's exactly. an example <laughs> of accepting my imperfection of, I would have loved Man, because when I heard, when I saw him put that, I'm like, gosh, that's perfect. That totally speaks to me. But instead of saying should or could, those are shame-based. I should have done that. That means I hate myself. Mm -hmm. I can't accept myself. It's I would have. I would have liked that I was in a place in my life where that suggestion had popped into my head, but it didn't. I did the best I could with where I was at the time. And how beautiful that someone else thought of it too because it takes a team (laughs) yeah and well and 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 that came from his experience of reading my book and working with me as his coach he found himself yeah and you know that's beautiful that's beautiful and if i yeah if i if i poll all the people i've worked with that's what they say i found me Mm -hmm. i found who i am i found my passion I'm, I'm comfortable with myself. I'm comfortable in my relationships. I now know if anything gets off in my life, exactly where to look, exactly what to do, exactly what process to put in place. Like they feel empowered. They're not run by the world anymore. They're run by themselves. Yeah. And that's, that, that was my life experience. And so I just put it all in a format so everyone else could have that journey and experience themselves. I love it. I love yeah. it. They're, we're all our own greatest authority if we accept the responsibility. Well said. And, <laughs> and the responsibility is we're going to have to do a lot of work to recognize that we are not our authority until we do a lot of work on ourselves. Yes. Yep. Any last uh, insights or words that you want to share with listeners? You know, it's probably the one I always say. Okay. If you're, it, it, it's what my counselor said to me. <clears throat> the the one counselor I found that you know became a mentor and, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of this stuff from when I walked into his office it was after that you know the I was separating I was separated from the spouse who was physically and verbally abusive mm-hmm. in 12 years of marriage we had 10 instances of intimacy 
And that could be physical touch, kind words, or any type of a sexual act. Is he said to me, he goes, Kenny, because eventually I cheated on her. And I'm not condoning it. It was the best I could do. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know what I know now. I, didn't I know almost want to say who would blame you, but. <laughs> well. But yeah. It, yeah, the reality. But there's no yeah, reality. the reality is it's not, it go. It went against my morals and values, but it was the best I could do because I didn't know any of this stuff. And as he said, you know, Kenny, because I was being very hard on myself for what I'd done. And he said, you know, Kenny, if you take a Labrador puppy, which is probably the sweetest animal on the planet, and you leave it outside chained up and you don't feed it, you don't water it, eventually even a Labrador puppy will bite you. And that just hit me because I had been, I, it was, I didn't see or speak to anyone in my family for 12 years. I, she completely, no, not she. I, because I didn't know about the cycle, I picked a person where I allowed myself to be isolated and mistreated that poorly. It was all I knew. I didn't know any better. And so I picked basically to relive my childhood and somebody who would do that. And for that, I'm forever indebted because it taught me how all this works. But at any rate, when I was explaining all of that to him and where I was, I said to him, I said, you know, Mike, I don't know how to be a man. I just don't. And he said, Kenny, when I was in your shoes, I went and became an expert. And that just hit me between the eyes. And so when he mentioned a book, I had it read before the next time we met. And so that would be my words to anyone if you don't feel like you're the man or the woman you know you're capable of go become an expert it's the only way and i guarantee you you'll find you'll find yourself and if my stuff can be a part of that journey for you i'd be honored to help and, and I, I hope it helps you it's the greatest gift freedom thank you so much for sharing okay. Um, you're always, always helping and you have a big heart and you always want to help. So I really appreciate your time, Kenny, and you coming on and sharing your story. And look at you go, miss, have your own podcast, talk about growth and everything. Yes. So I yes. love it. Lots of good things. Thank you. You are becoming the teacher yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And for listeners, I honestly, I haven't really shared much of my story uh, yet. So that might, that might be uh, an episode, um, but I definitely had my own journey, still journeying, but Kenny was a big, big part for me that has helped me bring myself to this point and um, continue to grow and get better every day. So thank you, Kenny. Thank you. I, like I said, I'm honored to be a part of your process. Thank you for including me. In your yes, journey. my pleasure. My pleasure. It's been a joy to watch you transform and find yourself. So keep it Thank up. You. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's very freeing too. That's probably the best yeah. feeling, which explains a lot of my own. Uh, I've become my own expert. So yeah. freedom was always the biggest feeling that I wanted. And I'm, I'm feeling it now. So yeah. It's what it gives you. Yeah. Yes, it does. Sets you free. The truth sets you free. <laughs> All right. Have a good rest of your day, Kenny. Thanks for having me. Great to yes, see you. My pleasure. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the House of Minds. Cheers to mind expansion.